podcast called Live in the Stream comes to you each week. Streaming recommendations during NFL season, it's not just tongue and cheek. Quarterback, defense, tight end, recommendations based on opposition matchup. Here are your podcast hosts, JJ Zacharyson and Danny Carter, Living the Stream. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Living the Stream. I'm JJ Zacharyson, the late-round quarterback. And tonight, I'm actually not joined by my lovely, lovely co-host, Denny Carter. He could not make it. But in his place, and I, I told Denny I wouldn't use the, the adjective lovely because that's that's only for Denny. I'll say my my awesome, awesome co-host tonight, Evan Silva from RotoWorld.com. Everyone knows him. Everyone loves him. Evan, what's going on, buddy? JJ, what's up, man? I was kind of looking forward to talking with Denny. I guess his name on this show is actually Dennis. That's right. Um, yes, it be, is Dennis. Because I wanted to rib him a little bit for bailing on Team Trestman a year after he created it, uh, and it worked so magically last year. <laughs> J- Jay Cutler and Josh McCown, their combined stats uh, were, were top five uh, in the league in terms of fantasy scoring, and now he won't take Cutler until the 10th round. I mean, he, he's just kind of kind of being a little stubborn. I know. I actually, you know, realistically, he's not, he's no longer the co-host because he's no longer on Team Trust. <laughs> that's that's the real reason that that you are on tonight, and and maybe perhaps you'll be on forevermore just because of of his statement last week and and his not and his his like he was obsessed with Jay Cutler last year, and right. and, and he I mean like he nailed the Trustman thing. He was all over it, and then on the last podcast, he just kind of he he took us all by surprise. His his, his let's let's put it this way. His love for Jay Cutler last year was the way that I feel about Alex Smith this year. <laughs> Jesus. To be clear, to be clear, I know that you give me a hard time about Alex Smith all the time. I don't think that Alex Smith is a good quarterback. I don't. Has everything to do with production. Has everything to do with what he can do. There's a worse mm-hmm. Kansas City defense this year potentially. That's going to be more opportunity for Alex Smith. But that's not what this podcast is about. Tonight, we're going to kind of dig into the running back position, which is one of the positions in fantasy football that's really um, changed through over the past three or four years dramatically. Uh, we're seeing a lot of different strategies with running backs. Um, we've seen Sean Siegel's zero RB approach just go crazy. Everyone, everyone knows about zero RB now. Um, we've seen that approach. We, we still see the, the RB, RB classic approach that people have been taking for years. Um, it's just a really, really interesting position to analyze. Not only because uh, there are different strategies with it, but because there's a lot of interesting individual players. So we're going to kind of dig into that. And and what's fun too is that both you and I, and we've talked about this, but you know we don't always see eye to eye on every player, and we'll definitely get into some of that tonight as well. Um, so I guess we'll just kind of start off uh, with what your approach is this year at the running back position. I just noted that uh, Sean Siegel of Rotovis and Pro Football Focus has has taken that zero RB approach, uh, and, and, and more and more people are learning about it and implementing it. Um, but what's your general approach this year? How are you kind of viewing the running back position as a whole? Well, I think that there are some really nice mid and late round values, really. Um, and Sean paints an excellent picture. Uh, if you go and read his articles um, of you know, the reasons why zero running back makes sense. Because mm-hmm. that per- position, um, you know, every year incurs a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of busts at that position. Um, and last year, 
there was an amazing amount of, you know, bust percentage. Yeah, there was. Um, Doug Martin, uh, Trent Richardson, Ray Rice. Uh, David Wilson, Ray Rice. Um, you know, it was, it, it was, it was a, a minefield. CJ Spiller. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I do wonder if the popularity of zero running back has to do a little bit with recency bias. Yeah. Just because last season w- was such a bad year for running backs, you know, in, in the top two, three rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I think that there's also a lot of merit to it. And uh, because wide receivers do stay healthy and they're still difference makers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, you and I disagree on the tight end position, but that position stays healthier than running backs. Right. Um, and, and, you know, and that's, I, I think, a, a, a critical element of the zero running back strategy is securing a, a top tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, you know, I, I keep an open mind. I mean, I, I, I literally use my own rankings you know, I, I like to create a board of two hundred of 150 to 200 guys and pretty much just go down it, especially in the early rounds. I stick to it and I'm willing to do whatever. I, I'm willing to go zero running back right. if that's how the board falls. I'm willing to take Graham and Gronkowski if that's how the board falls. Right. It, and if, it, you know, if I really if I really feel like I'm getting great value at running back, I'd be willing to take running back, running back, running back. Right. Um, so I, I like to, I like to create my own board and I would encourage other people to do the same. You know, you, you can use another person's board as a starting point, shake guys up, you know, put them where you want them. And then you can go into your draft and just, you know, cross guys off the list. Who's at the top of your board at your pick, you know, maybe you, you take them, maybe you drop down a couple picks because you're, short at that position. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, you know, that's, that's how I like to draft in fantasy. Yeah. Cause I, I think that that gives me the best chance to secure value. Right. So would you be surprised though? And you kind of hinted at this, would you be surprised? Cause the, the thing is, and, and as you said, with the recency bias thing, everyone will look at last season and they'll say, okay, mm-hmm. running backs busted. It, it looked like shit last year. And would you be surprised if then in 2015, if next year we're sitting here and we say, hey, last year RBRB was the right way to go, therefore we're going to go back to this. I mean, this is, this is something that I've struggled with a lot mm-hmm. uh, given what I, you know, what I really focus on in fantasy football, and that's usually the strategic side of things. And the one thing that I've struggled with most is um, the, the, the general fluctuations with strategy from year to year based on what happened in the previous season. And that's exactly what happened with, in, in 2011 when, when, exactly. when quarterback numbers went nuts Everyone wanted to go elite quarterback, but what they didn't understand was just the generic structure of fantasy football, let alone the fact that Mark Sanchez was the 10th ranked quarterback that year. Every quarterback was throwing more passes. It wasn't just the elite guys. And not only that, but it was a, it was an anomaly. It was an anomalous season. Uh, so one of the things that I, I like I could easily see is this is, is everything just kind of flip turning upside down this year, because really... I mean, it's kind of, this season is independent of last season in a way. We really shouldn't assume that just, oh, for now, moving forward, running backs are going to bust at a high rate. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I think that you should go into a draft keeping keeping an open mind. Yeah. Um, and, you know, let, let things come to you. If, if a, you know, a, a, if a guy in the first three rounds, so you have six rated, you know, six, seven spots ahead of the next guy, 
let's say you go into the draft and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to take wide receivers early. But, mm. you know, a, a Marshawn Lynch falls to you, you know, early third round or, or late second round. You know, I, I don't think that you should pass him up just because you had this thought exactly, of, right. of, you know, you, you were going to take a stud wide receiver there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I still think that the most important, uh, you know, the, the, the most critical element of, of drafting is to just take the best guys, the guys who give you the best chance to be weekly difference makers um, and, and be open to all the strategies. Mm-hmm. Uh, B- Bales, Jonathan Bales wrote a, an amazing article recently, um, and he actually discussed the idea of going running back, running back, running back, just right. because it's kind of contrarian right. at this point. And so, you know, that could potentially give you an advantage. And he actually did that in our draft that we did, that he apex did. Yep. Yeah, that apex um, draft. And I think he came out with Matt Forte, Doug Martin, and another guy. I can't remember I who can't the third remember running the third back was. Yeah. But, you know, he was the only person that draft to do that. And, right. you know, so if, if he nails those running backs, he's going to have probably an advantage because nobody else will have running backs like he like he does. Right. Um, so I, I, I think I think you should keep an open mind. Yeah. That's fair. The, the one thing kind of to, to Bales's point um, is, you know, we do talk about bust rates and, and it's very true that, that running the running back position is when compared to the elite tight ends with, with Graham and Gronk, uh, with the uh, elite wide receivers, with the Megatrons of the world, they, they bust, the running back position busts at a higher rate early than these other right. positions do. The problem, the general problem, and this is why I think the zero RB approach People would be surprised because I'm a very conservative fantasy player. But this is why I think the zero RB approach is actually kind of useful. Is because, and uh, I think that what Sean is getting at mostly is that uh, anti-fragility uh, idea where when something happens to a running back, that's good for your team who goes zero RB. When a running back gets injured, that's a good thing for your team because that means something's going to happen off the waiver wire. That means some other backup is going to get more opportunity, and it's bound to happen because that's what the running back position does. So, But when it comes to actual bust rates, and I'll just throw some numbers out there because it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. It's, 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 it's really kind of telling as to why running backs do go early and why teams are – continuously drafting running backs early despite the bust rate. So I'll, I'll just I'll throw some numbers out there. Over the last five years, only 20% of running backs ranked 19th through, tw- through 24th, according to MFL ADP data, so that's low-end RB2s, have actually finished in the top 12. So only 20% of, RB, of low-end RB2s actually finished in the top 12, uh, which is basically an RB1. Uh, and as you gradually move to an RB31 and beyond, so we're talking now... Uh, mid-sixth round into the seventh round. When you move to RB31 and beyond, the, the bust rates really get atrocious. So RB31s to RB36s, according to MFL data, over the last five years, there have been zero that have become RB1s, top 12 running backs, over the last five years. Uh, RB37 to RB42, 10% become RB1s, 10% have become RB2s. Uh, RB43 to RB48, 3.3% have turned into RB1. So basically the gist of it is, is I think that there are times where we get overconfident with middle round picks um, when the real value is off the waiver wire with the zero RB approach. That's really where things uh, happen. But, but at the same time, I think ADP is shifting enough where 
um, there's a chance that because more people go zero RB, some of those you know RB low end twos are going to go later in the fifth round or into the sixth round, like you don't necessarily or th- like we haven't necessarily seen in years past. Yeah, and I think the bottom line is that there are a lot of ways to win in fantasy. I mean, yeah, I, course, I think yeah. that there are a lot of different ways. Um, you know, people who drafted Peyton Manning last year were were probably going to win. Right. Um, people who drafted Sean McCoy and Matt Forte yeah. were, were probably going to win, or Jamal Charles. Um, and you know, you, I, 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 it, it's it, it, it's interesting because. The zero running back strategy, it, it's, I mean, I, I think that the, the thinking behind it is very strong. And at the same time, your article paints a picture where it's, you know, it, it's, it's really tough, especially mm. with your draft picks, you know, and may, you may or may not get the guys off the waiver wire mm-hmm. that you want because there are waivers processes or there's auction bidding or, exactly. or what, however your league does it. What if you don't end up with those running backs and you end up with, you know, starting a starting a backup in, Benny in a Cunningham, week. bro. exactly I mean that's going to put you at a disadvantage yeah. so it's it's risky I think that there are a lot of different ways to, to win in fantasy and um, you know I, I don't think you should beho- be beholden necessarily to one approach but you should be open mm-hmm. to to two approaches no, no doubt specific strategies yeah the, the one thing I will say is and, and this this is a pretty high level way of thinking. But if you're in the top half of a draft and you have the chance to get one of those top four at least running backs, that's whenever you have maybe maybe go towards more of a running back heavy approach. But if you're in the back half where you're starting to think like the Geo Geo Bernards of the world or in, and players that are iffy, a little bit iffy, uh, or more iffy compared to the, the top guys, that's whenever you say, hey, maybe I should just load up on those elite wide receivers, change it up a bit, and, and go with a different strategy than I have in the past just because – you know, like you said, I mean, you still have to understand the ebbs and flows of, of, of fantasy drafts and understand where tiers drop in your rankings and so on and so forth. But just be flexible enough to, to understand that strategies can change. It's a, it's the same it's the same idea where like if Aaron Rodgers falls to round five, I'm going to draft him. It's not like the late mm-hmm. round. It's not like the late round quarterback is about only drafting quarterbacks late. It's just that that's the way that drafts usually go. So if you're not flexible, then you're not going to win. You need to be flexible during your drafts if you if you want to win. Yeah, and draft slot plays a plays a, a role. I mean, like kind of you you kind of alluded to it. You know, just because I go into my draft, you know, thinking, okay, I might, I might do zero running back, but then you know the 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 picks go. You know, you, you find out where you're drafting, and you're drafting second overall. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I don't think you should you should pass on Jamal Charles or, or Lashawn McCoy, right, right, at, at at number two overall. So again, I I really believe in keeping an open mind and just trying to acquire value. Yeah, I will say, I mean, like, like, and you do keep like a very open mind because I know that, you know, whenever I was publishing the late round quarterback stuff, it was not a, it, it was a, a pretty contrarian thing to do at the time because, and it's kind of crazy to think about now just because of the way the quarterback position has shifted and they're there. I mean, you can get a quarterback for, for nothing. Uh, but you know, like you were open to it and that's whenever I, when, when you came to me, it was like a year and a half ago now and I did the Roto World stuff, but it was just case in point where, I mean, you're not just saying this, like you actually act on it as well. And you've opened a lot of eyes, JJ. So, you know, butt pat, good, good work. <laughs> yeah. We're just, this is just becoming a giant bro fest. This is, this is just a, a, a love fest. Um, anyway, so 
that's kind of just from a strategic perspective. We'll get into the, the, the meat of things now, though. We'll talk about player evaluation, guys we like, guys we don't like, um, guys who are overvalued, guys who are undervalued, some sleepers, and so on and so forth. I think this is what a lot of people are looking for mostly during draft season because uh, they usually have they, – they think more about their strategies uh, in July and then they actually want to see preseason games happen and they want to see guys like Andre Williams go off and, and – uh, see how his ADP rises and, and other guys falls. But um, let's just start with very, very general question, very basic question. Let's look at the top five rounds of your fantasy draft. Um, Silva, who are, who are some of your favorite guys that you would that if you were drafting early, if you weren't going zero RB, who are some of the guys that you're targeting early on in your draft? Yeah, and so for me, there are five obvious guys. There are definitely four obvious guys, LaShawn McCoy, Jamal Charles, Adrian Peterson, Matt Forte, pretty much in any order. I mean, I've seen Matt yeah. Forte go number one overall, and I didn't think it was stupid. You know, yeah. especially would you, in a PPR league. So you would you? I mean, uh, would you take Matt Forte though first overall? I wouldn't because I love Lashawn McCoy, uh, and yeah. I, I I just trust that rushing offense so much, and I you know trust right. the 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 embarrassing defenses in the NFC East yeah. to to yeah. buoy me. Good point. You know. Um, yeah, and the people that are concerned about Darren Sproles taking work away from LaShawn McCoy, do, I mean, do you realize that LaShawn McCoy is the best player on the Eagles team and right. that their offense is, you know, the foundation of their offense is their running game? I mean, you, right, you, exactly. you, you think that Darren Sproles is going to take away work from the best player on the team? He's 31 right. years old. He's, you know, he's a scat back. I think he'll help on punt returns. You know, maybe he'll catch, I don't know, 40 balls. You know, he'll he'll yeah, – I mean, He'll 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 kind of help replace Deshaun Jackson in some ways, but right. he's not replacing Lashawn McCoy. So can we please move on from that argument? Yeah, there, there's there's plenty of volume to go around in that offense. Sure. To, for for him to for him to do something, and I, I think I think the problem that people have with Sproles is that they actually went out and got him and didn't they didn't you know they didn't just sign him or they didn't they they actually got rid of a draft pick for him. So I think that's why people are are feel that way more so about Sproles versus. Uh, if if they would have gotten, but I don't I don't really put stock into that. I think he he makes sense in the offense, which is why I think they got him in general. I mean, it doesn't doesn't mean that he has to have a giant role, right? And and we know that he's not going to steal carries from Lashawn McCoy. Yeah, exactly. And right. and Lashawn McCoy, I think he caught fifty three passes last year. Yeah. So in a worst case scenario, what does he drop to? Like forty catches? Right. I mean, right. I don't. I agree. I, I don't understand that concern whatsoever. Um. We, we can stop talking about him. So I think that there are four <laughs> obvious guys. And then for me, Eddie Lacy is an obvious guy. I mean, I, I want to handcuff him with James Starks, no questions asked. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I, I just think his upside is, is so strong in an offense that I think will be number one in points scored this year. They're going to play mm-hmm. really, really fast. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they, they've got kind of the formula that Denver had last year. Their schedule is weaker. Their division doesn't have great defenses. I, I love Eddie Lacy's upside, but I also acknowledge that there's some chance that he could be a bust because he gets hurt. But the only yeah. way that he busts is, is if he gets hurt. So in, in that way, it's kind of – I feel good about him. And then, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the one thing to your point about Lacey too is that uh, I, I think, you know, they didn't have a 1,000-yard rusher since Ryan Grant back in whatever year it was and whatnot. But the reason for that is because they didn't have a consistent runner in that offense. I mean, the, the, the Green Bay offense is actually, has, has, with Aaron Rodgers under center, has been extremely efficient running the ball. And now that they do have a bell cow like Lazy, I think that that's just that's music to fantasy owners' ears, really. 
Yeah, no question. And then uh, we go a little bit deeper. I, I hate the running backs in the second round, by the way. I, <laughs> uh, Arian Foster is going at 2.4. Yeah, that's no. a little risky. Yeah. No, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Zach Stacy is going at 3.03. I, I think that's an excellent value. I'm not worried about Trey Mason. Uh, and I sniped him. I sniped him from you. In yes, the you did. Extra. Yeah, that yeah. that was not nice. Boom. Yeah. So I I, I kind of reached a little bit for Jordan Cameron at that point, which I'm sure that you frowned upon so much because of he, because he plays tight end, a onesie yeah, position, a yeah. onesie. That's right. Uh, but I really like Zach Stacy. I mean, I, I'm very confident that he's going to be their bell cow. I'm not worried about Trey Mason. I think Trey Mason could be a concern in 2015. Trey Mason has no clue how to pass block. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't catch the ball in college. Uh, he, he's very raw. And I know that people don't think of running backs as being raw, but he is. I mean, he's only 21 years old. Last year, he was, he was 20 years old. He, the guy has right. a lot of talent, but I don't think he's ready to play in the pros. Right. And I don't think that he's even necessarily going to open the season as their number two back. I think Benny Cunningham will. Yeah. yeah That's I, what the reports are saying too. Yeah. Benny Cunningham. Hey, he averaged over five yards of carry last year and he's got a year in the, in Brian Schottenheimer's protection schemes, but Zach, <laughs> Zach Stacy, um, you know, I, I feel great about him. I'm not real. I'm not worried about the, the defenses in the NFC West as much as other mm-hmm. people are either. I think the Cardinals are going to take a huge step back defensively Daryl Washington is gone that's huge Carlos Dansby is gone Uh, those are huge losses Um, San Francisco just lost their nose tackle uh, and they 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 don't have they won't have Navarro Bowman and Alden Smith for a while either Uh, so the the NFC West defense thing is not is not a concern for Zach Stacy Gerhardt I noticed has moved down to the the top of the fourth round he he had been hovering in the mid-third and his ADP has begun to drop, uh, and, and, and it's possible that this hip flexor injury will continue to push that down. People were already worried about him. You know, I think he might lead the NFL in carries this year in a kind of Peyton Hillis, Michael Turner-type heavy volume role. Uh, I like Toby Gerhardt in the fourth round. Yeah, are you worried? I, like, my worry with Gerhardt isn't so much volume driven, but it's just touchdown driven. Because I mean, mm-hmm. stati- I mean, it shows you need a, a legitimate passing offense to have. Or I should say, I should say, if you have a bottom ten, bottom five passing offense, I shouldn't go with the other way. If you have a bottom ten, bottom five passing offense, your touchdown ceiling is pretty capped. The only, literally, the only player in, over the last five or six years that has has had legitimate touchdown upside. Uh, is Adrian with a bad passing offense is Adrian Peterson. So and, and clearly Toby Gerhardt is an Adrian Peterson. Is there is there a little bit of a concern though with with Gerhardt and, and his touchdown upside? Yeah, I mean I think that there you, you know you can kind of create concerns about anybody. I don't expect him to score 15 yeah. touchdowns. Right. You know maybe he'll score eight on the ground and and two via the pass because he's going to be in a, a legit every down back. And I would yeah. I would feel pretty good about that. And I think that's a reasonable expectation even he only, say he only gets seven on the ground and two via the pass um mm-hmm. I, I think i think he's a, a a real strong bet and i i know jj that you don't get into sos and i, I really don't either <laughs> yeah. i really don't either yeah but that that's south man i mean like dude you got you that's, gotta love it. That's like double A football. I mean, it's yeah, it's yeah, pathetic. It's and know, and, yeah, and even right. if you even if you look at the rest of their schedule, which which I did, I glanced at it, and you know that, that it's not fair to, to do that. Yeah. But I looked at it and I was like, man, Gerhardt might eat, you know. Yeah, so I, yeah, I, I'm I feeling you. I'm I'm still feeling pretty good about him. 
Yeah, I'm. I'm. Be, you know, like I don't mind him. I I did mind him more in the third round when he was creeping because mm-hmm. he was just getting he was getting hyped, and I I basically blame you for that. But he was getting hyped like crazy, and then his ADP rose, and you know if it if it does fall a bit, I think that I'll feel a lot more comfortable taking him. It's just you know there's a lot there. Like you said, there's a lot of ambiguity with every running back. You can pinpoint something mm-hmm. wrong with every running back and every player, and so I mean, clearly Gerhard has his, uh, but there's also some upside with that volume. Um, how about so one one guy that I wanted to, to to at least pinpoint was Demarco Murray. Um, you know, this year he'll be in a Scott Linehan offense. He has that seventy catch upside easily. Um, the the biggest thing with him, like we were just talking about, there's there's going to be something with every running back is his injury concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but you know, at the same time, when Demarco Murray does play, he's he's getting you a lot of fantasy points. Last last year. Um, he missed two games and he was still, he still ranked fourth, uh, in the NFL in, in weekly top 24 weeks at the running back position. And that was only behind Jamal Charles, LaShawn McCoy and Matt Forte. Um, so it's, it's, it's pretty crazy when he does play, uh, what, uh, how, how well he does. Uh, and the other thing too, is that if Lance Dunbar is going to be a, a, his handcuff, you now have a usable handcuff of some sorts. It's, that's kind of nice to have as well. Not to say that you're going to plug in DeMarco and Lance Dunbar into your lineup every week, but um, you know he'll get work as well. So I'm I'm kind of in that that if you if you uh, in a in a regular draft, not a best ball draft. Best balls are obviously different, but in a regular draft, uh, if you're at the tail end of the first round and into the second round, I'm I'm loving the elite wide receiver plus DeMarco approach. Yeah, DeMarco is real real similar to Eddie Lacy for me because. Yeah. If he if he plays, he's just gonna you know he's gonna rake points, yeah. um, and you know I mean the offense is you know the the O line is freaking awesome, yeah. Uh, you know he's gonna be on the on the field when they're trying to come back in every game. Exactly. You know Stephen Jackson caught ninety balls under Scott Linehan in two thousand six. Joey Bell and Reggie Bush combined for one hundred and seven catches last year. Yeah, I mean Demarco Murray. I mean. You know, I said early in the offseason that he might catch 80 balls this year, and people were like, what? Like, that's uh, crazy, but very it, it might happen, dude. Like, it might. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I could totally see that. And I also, so aside from DeMarco, two other guys I wanted to touch on, uh, at least two other guys. One of them was Monty Ball. Um, I think just in general, him being in a Peyton Manning offense should, should make him extremely valuable. Uh, do you have concerns with him in general? Not really. I, I think that the the quote unquote talent thing is a little overblown. I, I, I think agree, I think totally. he is a, a pretty good talent. Um, yeah. He he averaged like four four point six yards a carry last year. He was dominant in college. Uh, you know, I know he doesn't have a great athletic numbers, but I, mm-hmm. I would consider him like an above average talent, and at worst a guy who just eats up whatever's blocked. Um, and you know, I don't have a problem with that. Look, you you don't have to be some stud talent to get yards in the NFL and particularly not in a Peyton Manning offense. Right. We saw Joseph Adai do it. Sure. We, we saw Dominic Rhodes and Kenton Keith do it. (laughs) Yeah. Good point. Very good point. Yeah. I mean like the thing with Monty Ball too, I I looked at, I kind of split up his rushing net expected points. The metric we use at number fire, I split it up. Uh, through the first half and the second half of the season, his second half of the season pace, and I don't really like to extrapolate that much, mm-hmm. but the way he played the second half of the season, he was he was actually performing. And this is 
this is strictly production, so obviously it's going to be skewed a little bit because he played with Peyton Manning, but he was a top five running back the second half of the season. His his per rush averages, the way he was he was he was playing really well, and I think that that's important to, to note. Enter and it's not like he has crazy competition right now. If Ronnie Hillman's really the number two back on that squad, I don't think he has anything to worry about. Yeah, and I also think that he could get three hundred carries. Yeah, Wh- right. whereas No. Sean Moreno only had two forty. Because mm-hmm. Monty Ball last year had like 120. Right. And you right. Know, I don't think they have another guy who's going to take away 120 carries. And also the type of player that Monty Ball is, he's like a, a volume workhorse. Whereas yeah. no Sean Moreno was like a, a spread running back. You know, a guy right. who sat behind, sat next to Peyton Manning in the, in the pistol and, mm-hmm. you know, they, they'd give him draws and stuff. Well, they'll, they'll line up under center and give Monty Ball the rock and they'll play really fast, and they'll you know get to the next play, and then they'll give it to them again. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's going to be exciting if if the dude stays healthy. You know, R- Rich Rebar took him number ten overall, and yeah. um, you know it wouldn't surprise me if he stays healthy if he's the number one overall fantasy back this year. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all either. I mean, it, it like you said, the the talent is not nearly as important in general in the NFL with the running back position, but it's even it's even that much more when uh, when you're playing with Peyton Manning. Uh, another guy uh, I wanted to touch on, if he does fall, I mean, he has been falling in the second round. If you do any best ball leagues, this guy's falling into the late second, into the early third, um, and it's a lot of it has to do with his holdout, and that's and his now, which is over. Uh, but that's Marshawn Lynch. Um, I think the one thing, so I'm, I've, I've been pretty vocal about my feelings about Kristen Michael, and it, it has nothing to do with his his athleticism and what he could potentially do in the NFL. It has more to do with the fact that I think people are underrating what Marshawn Lynch has done for the Seahawks over the last three years. Um, it, when you look at Marshawn Lynch, he's been he's been a top three, top four running back over the last three years. He's been able to stay healthy, and he's doing it behind an offensive line that's not great. Um, and I think that that's it's key. I mean, he he it, it, the writing's on the wall that this is his is his last year, and they can just they can run him to the ground. You know, I don't. I just. I don't think this is going to be a year where we see Kristen Michael just come out of nowhere and perform. Let alone have this assumption that Kristen Michael is automatically going to be Marshawn Lynch. I know that he could be better, sure, but being better means he's going to basically be the best running back in the NFL. That's just the way that it is. Um, so I like Marshawn in the second round. I don't mind it at all, um, especially if you if you're trying to go and, and play your odds and maybe get three running backs in the first five rounds, just because. Marshawn's wear and tear. I mean, he's 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 carried the ball a lot throughout his career. But how do you feel about Marshawn just in general? And and go ahead and rip me for Christine Michael because I think that you're you're more of a fan than I am. No, the the team actions on Marshawn Lynch speak volumes. The, you right. know the fact that they bump money into his. Good I mean, point, they're, yeah. they're trying to win the Super Bowl, man, and exactly, and they're yeah. gonna they're gonna ride, they're gonna keep riding him until the wheels fall off. I, I actually think that his workload will at least open the season. Uh, as the exact same that it's always been. If he yep. if he starts to show signs of decline, um, you know I think we'll see a little bit more of Christine Michael. Uh, look, I, I love Christine Michael because I like I really like to just watch him because right. whew, I mean oh he's, he's sick. sick dude he's yeah. sick yeah but right. um, I actually bailed on him in in Dynasty recently I traded him to Mike Clay um, oh boy and I I got back Ruben Randall. Um, your boy yeah I know I know but I, I just I got tired of waiting around for the theoretical running back talent 
Um, yeah. You know, they, they got other backs there. They got Robert Turbin, who I, I think is pretty mediocre, but he can do some things better than Christine Michael can. He's, you know, and, and I think that they might just go with a committee after Marshawn Lynch moves on. So I, I'm, right. you know, I, I, I'm not aggressively drafting Marshawn Lynch, but mm-hmm. if he falls to me, I'm more than willing to take him. That's exactly how I feel. The exact, I mean, that's a, that's a really good way to, to put it. I, I think just in general, like it, it's one thing to talk about talent at the wide receiver position or the quarterback position, what have you. The thing is, and we just talked about this, the talent at the running back position does not matter nearly as much as, as the, as the scheme and the way that they're going to implement those running backs and, and use those running backs. So especially in dynasty, you know, there's people that are just waiting and waiting. We didn't Ben Tate teach us anything. I mean, we waited and waited for Ben Tate to do something in Houston forever. He gets his opportunities. Nothing really happens. Now he's in Cleveland. Now Terrence West is, is right behind him and could easily just take over that role in Cleveland. Uh, I just I just feel like we've seen this story before. And it, it's not to say that Kristen Michael can't be a great running back in the NFL. I just think that we shouldn't just dub him as something that's completely usable, especially in 2014 when they just gave Marshawn Lynch money. They they are clearly going to use Marshawn Lynch this year. Um, so do you have any do you have any other guys maybe like more towards the fifth round that you have been targeting and even avoiding even even if there's a guy that you've avoided? Let let's talk about a guy that we kind of talked about before we jumped on the podcast, and that's that's our boy Chris Johnson. Uh, tell tell the listeners why drafting Chris Johnson is a terrible idea. Well, people like to look back at cumulative running back stats. Boom. I love it. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. And I mean, these people have clearly not owned Chris Johnson in the last <laughs> no, three years. Never, I mean, never. that is, that's a, a lock. If, yeah. if you're looking at the cumulative running back stats, you you have not owned this dude because he, he kills you. He kills you. Yeah. And, and then, and then I'll have one big week and you'll think, Oh man, is he, is he starting to run hard again? And then yeah. Nope. You know, he, he goes back into his shell. Dude, speaking and, speaking of the cumulative stuff, real yeah. quick, just to just to show you what. So Chris Johnson last year finished as the running back nine in fantasy. He ranked ranking wise in terms of top twelve we, or top twenty four weeks. He ranked twentieth. He had the same number of top twenty four weeks as D'Angelo Williams. That's pathetic. That's yeah. pathetic. Yeah, he I'm, sucks. I'm with you. He, he yeah, sucks. I know. I know. He's 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 not good. I, have you have you read anything specifically about? I I did see. Uh, one of the Jets guys tweet out uh, a couple of days ago how Johnson's gonna. <laughs> he was favorable things about Chris Johnson, but like, do, what? How do you see the, the the workload being split in that backfield? Because they they have Chris Ivory, who was kind of that that darling last year. That he he started to slip uh, uh, later towards towards September in drafts. But when he first got traded, people were really excited because we all saw what he did in New Orleans. Uh, but they have they have fairly capable running backs on offense. How do you see it kind of being split up? Yeah, that was Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News. Yeah. If I have one bit of advice, it's draft Chris Johnson in fantasy this year. Mm. And, you know, I, I hit him up on DM. I was like, that's stupid, dude. Like, don't be telling people <laughs> that. Um, you know, that, um, oh, I, I was like, you know, the, the Titans beat writers fell for this the last three years, too. I mean, are you going to fall into that same hole? You know, this guy, mm-hmm. this guy doesn't run hard. I mean, he, he makes business decisions on the football field. And if, if there's not, you know, wide open g- green grass in front right. of him, he's going down. 
and he's, he's going down. and he's not and he's not going to get that under behind a worse offensive line. Pat Thorne made a, a great point on Twitter um, the other day. Uh, the Titans mm-hmm. actually were PFF's number two run blocking line in the NFL last year, yeah. um, and the Jets were, I think, bottom bottom four or maybe maybe bottom two, and they've really done nothing to improve that offensive line except for sign Brino Giacomini, who is replacing <laughs> Austin Howard who Austin Howard was a really good run blocker and mm-hmm. Brino Giacomini is, is a total jag. Um, right. And uh, again, we need to talk about the cumulative running back stats because this does not register with people. I understand it doesn't that at all. I understand that he was the number 10 running overall running back, but that was because number one, he stayed healthy, which, you know, great, but that doesn't really help you win weeks in fantasy um, yeah. when, when, when your player sucks. Um, right. And then, uh, it, it was also because he got a ton of carries. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he's extremely volume dependent. So, so now he's losing volume. He's going to lose right. a lot of volume. I mean, even the, the Jets beat writers even agree on this. Right. Uh, he's that's because you, that's because that's the only, the only direction you can go is down when they were feeding him 300 plus carries a year. Right. And so their hope is going to be that, Hey, maybe more carries, maybe he'll bust more long runs. Well, right. good luck with that, dude. You know, I mean, right. I, that, that's just that's not something that you can hang your hat on. Jets fans think that he's going to be like ultra involved in their passing game, but he sucks mm. in the passing game. He's not a good he's, route runner. He drops right. the football. He can't pass protect for shit. I mean, mm-hmm. Bilal Powell's a better pass protector than exactly. Him. That's what I was going to say. The problem is the problem is people look at volume in terms of receptions right. with Chris Johnson the exact same way, and he's really not efficient at all through the air. He sucks in every single way. Do not draft him. <laughs> I love it. Oh man! So, so you have the uh, the the anti Evan Silva stamp of approval for for Chris Johnson this year. It's it's pretty crazy to me. I actually I kind of view uh, from a wide receiver perspective. I kind of view T Y Hilton the exact same way. It's, and he, it's just it's just tough. I, I, t- at least T Y Hilton has a future ahead of him and some upside in terms of that. But I think just I mean we don't have to talk about T Y Hilton, but it's just that general idea of big play receivers putting up those cumulative stats, it's going to kill you during the weeks where they're not putting up anything. Yeah, and, and, and he's also 29 years old. He right. uh, had off-season knee surgery. Um, you know, th- th- this is really dumb that he's going in the fifth round. It's just stupid. Yeah, yeah I mean, the general, the, the, honestly, the general problem with Chris Johnson is other teams probably would have cut him it's just that Tennessee was very, very uh, – they, they loved him. They just kept him around. Well, they couldn't admit their mistake. Exactly. Yeah. That's what – I mean, they were in they – were, they weren't in QB purgatory like a lot of teams are. They were in running back purgatory. They hey, just couldn't do anything about it. And, JJ, that. I think this is one of the situations where – all right, let's say, you know, I think that there, there's a really strong percentage that he sucks. But there's right. also a very small percentage that he's right or, or, or that, he, that he, like, balls. Like Rex right. Ryan lights a fire underneath him, and you know sure. he decides that he's going to run hard every play, and uh, he's going to you know really focus on his route running, and he becomes a re- a good player again. There, there is a small chance that that happens, sure. but but if you don't draft him, you, you're making the right choice. Right. You're, right. you're still and making the right choice, even if even if we get this prediction wrong, we're we're still right. Right, exactly. That's the way that you have to view fantasy. I mean, if yeah. you're making logical choices entering the season, of course there's going to be guys that come out of nowhere and the dude that's drafting Chris Johnson because he drafted him three years ago and he did really well for him. I mean, it's he, 
just because if Chris Johnson turns out well or good and performs well, you still played the odds correctly and you still made the right decision. You're exactly right. I mean, look at let me just read you some guys going after him. I mean, you have Joyke Bell being drafted after him, Lamar Miller, even Steven Jackson, Pierre Thomas. I mean, there's there's guys being drafted behind him that just it doesn't make any sense that he has a higher ADP. I don't even if you're listening to the podcast right now, tweet at both of us and let us know if you're drafting Chris Johnson in the fifth round because I want to know who you are. <laughs> It's it's crazy. I I don't know who's drafting Chris Johnson. Like I get best ball leagues. It's different. Like he's gonna like even though I still think he's overvalued in best ball leagues. I at least understand it more because you don't have to play the guessing game every week. But like when when you're drafting Chris Johnson in the fifth round in a standard league, it's just it's not going to do you any good. Um. So I guess that that kind of wraps up the the early round guys. Let's uh let's move on to my favorite topic. Uh, and it's the old running backs this year. Because I love two things in fantasy football, Evan. I love Alex Smith and I love old running backs. <laughs> and small wide receivers. Although, although, I, although you don't admit that, you just draft them. No, I don't even, I don't even like the, the, the small wide receivers. I just I drafted Anto- Antonio. So I got Antonio Brown in that draft. And it's not even a homer move. I just he's gonna get a hundred freaking eighty targets. I mean, that's just the way that that offense runs. And, and you uh, also drafted Emmanuel Sanders and so, another guy who was real small. No, too. no, I had Col- I had Colson to even it out a little bit. Okay. To be fair, to be fair, yeah. But it's not like I liked Emmanuel Sanders. I don't I don't like that team at all that I drafted. Um. Anyway, so <laughs> I like I, I definitely I I will admit I love Alex Smith and I love geriatric running backs. The reason. The, so I'm gonna go on a like probably a slight rant here. So let me let me just ask you before I get into this: Do you think Fred Jackson is undervalued in fantasy football? This absolutely, year? absolutely. Okay, good, good. Because I have I have some crazy things to talk about with with Fred Jackson. Because because I think that so there's there's three runners in general: uh, Fred Jackson, Stephen Jackson, and Frank Gore. Gore actually, I was looking at fantasy football calculator. He still has a fourth round ADP, which I would not touch. I wouldn't I wouldn't get near that. Um, but with Fred Jackson, I think he easily has the best value. He's going in right now in the late eighth round, early ninth round, according to Fantasy Football Calc. Best ball leagues, I've gotten him in the twelfth round. That is that is absurd. Um, so let me just let me just throw some stuff at you with regards to Fred Jackson because I'm, the conclusion I make is going to be amazing. Uh, so the Bills, number one, were the third heavy run heaviest team last year in the league, and that's not going to change in 2014 uh, with EJ Manuel under center. No, they uh, they were the run heaviest team in the league. Right. Well, I mean, sorry, past the run ratio. Was. Okay. My my fault. Yeah. yeah. Good good call. Good call. Good correction. Um. So Jackson last year also was sixth in the NFL in red zone looks. Uh. He scored all nine of his rushing touchdowns in the red zone. He had more rushing attempts in the red zone than Jamal Charles, Demarco Murray, Lashawn McCoy, and Adrian Peterson. Um, and so th- there's still upside, there's still touchdown upside, uh, with regards to Jackson because that they, he is their, their best goal line back. And we even, we even saw that in the hall of fame game. the other yep. day. He was the one who was, who was taking carries close to the goal line. Um, and this is where I think like the reason Fred Jackson is dropping is because people are worried about age. Uh, he's 33. Um, he has, but, but the thing is with, with his age, it's, it's, it's the argument of is it age that you should worry about with running backs or is it volume? And I know that there are studies that say that it's age, but I also think that there's kind of exceptions to the rule, and I think that Fred Jackson is an exception to the rule because he's basically already broken the rule. Uh, so just for, for example, Fred Jackson has 
1,138 career attempts. Players with more career attempts than Fred Jackson. LaShawn McCoy, Reggie Bush, D'Angelo Williams, Ray Rice, Matt Forte, Chris Johnson, Marshawn, Maurice Jones-Drew, Adrian Peterson, Frank Gore, and Steven Jackson. So even though Fred Jackson's a grandpa in the league, there's a lot of guys that have uh, higher volume and more tread, or less tread on their tires. Um, but the one thing I really, really want to look at is his stat line from last year where he had 206 attempts, 890 yards, 9 rushing touchdowns, 47 receptions, 387 receiving yards, and one touchdown. So let me just throw, so how does that stack up historically? I'll tell you that we've seen just 47 different seasons where a 32-year-old running back has had 150 carries, period. 47 different seasons. From an individual running back perspective, there's only been 27 different running backs who have had 150 attempts at the age of 32, period. Which is very, very small because NFL history does not date back to 2009. Uh, the thing to remember with Fred Jackson too last year is that he caught 47 passes. So if you filter that down to just 25 passes and you look at, uh, the, the same 150 carry filter as well, only 15, 32 plus year old running backs have ever had 150 carries and 25 receptions in a single season. So even that is in rare company, but if you take that a one step further and you look at running backs who had 200 attempt, attempts and 40 receptions, only two running backs in NFL history have ever done that. One of them is Fred Jackson. The other is Walter freaking Payton. So basically what I'm saying, everyone listening and you, Evan, is Fred Jackson is like Walter Payton. You should draft Fred Jackson in fantasy football this year. All right. Well, that's, uh, you know, that's obviously exaggeration. He's not yes, Walter Payton. He's not. And, 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 and a lot of those were, were, were last year's stats. So people, you know, mm-hmm. a devil's advocate can be like, oh, well, those were last year's stats. You know, things are going to change this year. Exactly. I don't sure. think that things are going to change a whole lot this Ex- year exactly. <laughs> because he plays an incredibly fantasy friendly role on the mm-hmm. NFL's run heaviest team. Um, he, he gets red zone carries and he plays in the passing game over C.J. Spiller. And look, I love C.J. Spiller, but I don't think the Bills do. Either the Bills don't love him, or they just seriously have no freaking clue how to use him. Right. Um, and they just extended Fred Jackson another year. Uh, yeah, and they traded for Bryce Brown. I don't think they right. love C.J. Spiller, and I think that uh, just just the role that Fred Jackson plays, he, he's just going to collect fantasy points because he's going to catch the ball, uh, and he's going to just get you know solid gains and he's also going to get get the ball down by the goal line. So right. um, I, I, I think I have him in like uh, the eighth round right now, which is a full round ahead of where he's going. And I mm-hmm. would feel great about him. I, I would feel good. You know, let's say you're going zero running back. Um, yeah. You know, I would feel good about him as an RB two or or a flex in a in a um, in, in a standard non PPR league. Actually, yeah. You know, I, I think he'd be a decent flex in a in a PPR league. I, right. I, I think he's he's a week one fantasy starter and then it's kind of, we'll see what happens, but I, I don't think that his, they're going to take away his role. I, I think his role is locked in. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, he, he could, I've been telling this, saying this to people, but he could literally live up to his ADP by week four. I mean, it's just, it's so ridiculous how he's dropping in some drafts. I mean, right. I mean, right now, sure. He's at the end of the eighth, early ninth, whatever, but like, there, there. That means that there are drafts where he's going way later than that as well, and it's just absurd to me. I mean, he was really, really productive last year. I understand that C.J. Spiller's there, but it's like you said, it's not like that offense is changing. And if anything, like I, I, 
the the their their pass to run ratio isn't going to increase dramatically if it does at all. Uh, the additions at wide receiver that they do have with Mike Williams and obviously Sammy Watkins and, and Robert Woods getting old, or getting experience as well, I think that's only going to help a guy like Fred Jackson's cause for them to not only score more touchdowns, but for him to, to be freed up a little bit even uh, in the receiving game. I mean, dude, dude I, J- J- JJ, if they throw more, it's going to help him because exactly, he's the best pass protector and he's the yeah. best catcher. You know? Exactly, exactly. I mean, he's going to be on the field. I just think it's ridiculous that, that people are devaluing him. And I, I have yet to have... Uh, someone message me and, and give me a legitimate reason for his ADP because not only is his age already baked into it, but it's it's baked into it in like a negative way. I mean, like it's it's just it's his age is so exaggerated in this instance. I think it's ridiculous. I agree. Um, so let let's talk about another guy that's really really interesting to me is Steven Jackson. So he already has a hammy issue. Hammy, right? It's his hamstring. Yep. Yeah. So he already has a hamstring issue. Uh, people are loving on uh, Devonte Freeman. Um, and I was actually kind of into Freeman as well entering uh, after the draft. Um, but Jackson right now is a 7.10 ADP. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, they have him locked in in, in Atlanta. Uh, would you be drafting Steven Jackson in the in the seventh round, early seventh round this season? Nah, no. You're just, you're just against, is it? Be, is, be, because, see, I, because I think there's a strong percentage that he's just shot. Yeah, I, I see. I can see. I can understand that way more than Fred Jackson. Right. Way more. I mean, Stephen Jackson has the most carries active in the NFL right now, I believe. So, I mean, it, it's very, very fair if you think that he's just donezo. Um, but at the same time, part of me feels like um, he has he has unbelievable volume upside if he's if he's healthy. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. It's just the it's just I, I, the, I, the risk of health. If he's available two three rounds later, I'll take him. Um... I, I, I would have no problem putting him on my team. It's just like, I, I, I just, I'm, you know, I, I feel like there's a good percentage that he's, that he's just done. He's got, he, he ripped his other hamstring last year and now he's got, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the, the left hamstring. He, I think he tore his right hamstring last year and now he's got severe, severe strain on his, uh, on his left side. So mm-hmm. um, I, I would, I would be worried that he's done. Uh, but I, I wouldn't mind putting him on my team as you know an RB RB low end RB three or RB four. Okay, yeah, that's fair. I mean, like especially if you if you do go a, a running back heavy approach just to play your odds and hope that you don't bust somewhere. I think that's where he could end up if he does get drafted in the seventh round. Like, I'm not saying that that's that's necessarily smart. I think the one. The one sense of optimism I have, uh, and I agree with you with with regards to his injury history and his and his uh, wear and tear. Um, when he came back last year, he was actually performing decently well. Uh, he ended yeah. uh, he ended with four top twenty four weeks over his last five games, and he ranked tenth, eleventh, tenth, and nineteenth at the position uh, during that time. So I think you know there there's some optimism there. Obviously, I, I know you're pretty high on the Falcons passing game this year. Um, so there's that going for him as well. Um, not to say that he's necessarily going to get all the, all the, uh, the passing duties there because they have Cape. I mean, I'm not a big quiz guy, but, um, but in in general, I think just the fact that they're going to have scoring opportunities is also attractive with Jackson, but he's certainly a risk. I think he's probably fairly priced in general. That's where I'm at. Yeah. I I don't think that his talent is necessarily shot. Uh, And I, because I agree with you that he played pretty well. He like got better every week that he played down the stretch mm-hmm. last season, like it was noticeable. I, I was watching those games because yeah. I own him in dynasty. Um, yeah. He's a, he's a gym rat, bro. 
Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I don't think that his, his talent is necessarily shot. I'm just worried that his body is shot. Yeah. yeah. No, that's fair. It's very, very fair. What? Real quick, let's just talk about Frank Gore. Are you kind of in the same boat with Gore as you are with Steven Jackson? Or because Gore hasn't really shown as as strong of signs as Steven Jackson, are you are you more likely to own him or pick him if he drops? Well, he's playing the Cowboys in week one. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I'm fan-dueling him, you know? Yeah, nice, nice. Um, no, I mean, I, I feel real good about him. I, I – I don't know if I'd take him in the fourth round. I, mm-hmm. I guess I didn't even realize that that's where his ADP was. I didn't either because yeah. I'm getting him. So, like, I've done I'm, – I'm on, like, 30-plus MFL 10s at this point, and he he's actually one of my highest shared players, like, what I'm investing in, essentially. I own a lot of Frank Gore because he's dropping into the seventh round in those drafts. Yeah. Which yeah. Is, go ahead. So, so the 49ers offense, I think, is really, really interesting this year because I don't think their defense is going to be very good. Um, you know, they lost their nose tackle, Navarro Bowman, Alden Smith. They lost Dante Whitner. Um, you know, I I don't think their defense is going to be, I mean, name the great players besides them, Patrick Willis. uh, That's basically what you got. The the thing that you have to trust scheme there, I think this year more than more just trust, trust coaching. I mean, like, I suppose, I mean, you, even a coach would tell you that you need great players to play great yeah, defense. I, yeah, yeah. I'm and they're not, not going to have great you. players. I mean, yeah. their cornerbacks aren't very good. Um, I, I think their 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 defense is going to be – I think it will still be solid, but right. it isn't going to be like – Not a, like it has been. Yeah, and one of one of these guys' problems, uh, these, these you know, Colin Kaepernick's problems, is that, that, that the defense, like, creates situations where they're just crushing the other team. And, uh, you know, they don't have to do anything. They could just take the pedal off the gas, you know, give carries to Kendall Hunter or, or, or whatever. Um, but I think they're going to have to throw the ball this year. And I think they're gearing up for it. They went out and got Stevie Johnson. Uh, Vernon yeah. Davis is back. Anquan Bolden is back. Michael Crabtree is back. I think they're going to end up throwing the ball a lot. And who's their best pass protector? Who's the best pass protecting running back he, in the entire league? Well, that's Frank, Frank Gore. Gore. Yep. So he's going to be on the field. I mean, yeah. He and never, I, dude. He never. He, his whole career, he just stays on the field forever. Yep. Yeah. It's I mean, crazy. I, I, I wouldn't take him fourth round, but if he falls to me in the fifth round, I'm, I'm seriously considering him. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think Gore's a, a good value. Plus, we've, we've been the, the, the community in the industry has been talking down Gore every single year, like he's gonna drop off, and he hasn't. He's kind of got that ageless wonder uh association kind of like what fred jackson does as well it's just kind of except he's gore's been a high volume runner it's just kind of crazy yep um so let's kind of let's shift gears and stop talking about old running backs and move into some of our favorite guys this year Uh, you can talk guys that you don't like but the one thing i want to touch on first and foremost uh is what happened in the hall of fame game uh and that is the emergence to a lot of casual folks of, of Andre Williams and that offense. Um, so I'll let you talk about Andre Williams uh, and the Rashad Jennings situation and how you kind of value it. And, I mean, I, we've talked about Rashad Jennings before. You and I view him a little bit differently. But go ahead and give your, give your spiel for, for Andre Williams. And so the most important thing is not necessarily that he, you know, broke off a 21-yard run or, you know, looked like a future Michael Turner. The, yeah. the, the most important thing is that he spent significant time with the first team offense. He saw some snaps on passing downs. He's never going to catch the ball. 
the, the, mm-hmm. pe- people have said, well, if the reports are correct about him, you know, he can't catch. He he can't catch. He, that that's that, that's a deficiency that will probably be with him for his entire life. Right. So they're not reports. It's just truth. He can't catch right. the football, um, but he's a really good runner. And right now he's playing with the first team offense. He and he's getting goal line carries with the first team offense. And you know you can try to downplay the fact that he had good runs against. Oh, it was the Bills' second team defense, but he still had good runs. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like what is he supposed to do otherwise? Right, right. So, so that's yeah. a plus. I mean, it's not. It's not the reason that I'm excited about him. The reason I'm excited about him is because I saw him play with the first team offense. You know, he he he's getting go- he he the first day of training camp he was getting goal line carries with the first team offense. And now he's excelling with the first team offense. And what happens when you play well, especially when you're a rookie, you get more opportunities. Yeah. So, you know, I look, Rashad Jennings, I know that he has his strengths. He he's a really good backup in, in the NFL. Uh, I think that he could be like a, a solid short-term stopgap starter. He does certain things, you know, very effectively. He, he can pass protect. He is a guy who can catch. But mm-hmm. the, the, the best running back on the team is, is Andre Williams. And I, I think he's also the best bet to get yards behind what is probably not a great offensive line I mean that, right. that was one big deficiency that we did see in the Hall of Fame game uh, is that when when the Giants starting offensive line was going against the Bills starting offensive line um, you know the offensive line looked terrible so um, right. and I, I right. think that a guy who's a downhill a true downhill physical power back will give the Giants their best chance to have a, a, a running game and that's not I'm not going to say that Rashad Jennings is going away uh, he's right. not because he does things well that Andre Williams can't do. And Andre exactly. Williams will probably always be a guy who needs to be in a committee just because he's so deficient in this one area of the game that is important in, in today's NFL game. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I would not take Rashad Jennings at his ADP. I, I think it's stupid. I think that um, I, I, I like touchdown scorers on my team. Um, mm-hmm. And he's not going to score touchdowns, uh, and and he may lose his lead running back job because the other guy's better than him. And and Tom Coughlin is a guy who likes to run the football. So yeah. I, I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't say it's stupid at his ADP because th- that's that's not the right way to it's characterize. It's okay. It. It's all right, Silva. It's, it's okay. Just hurt it, my feelings just, a little bit. It just doesn't. That, that's not how I like to draft. I mean, I, yeah, that's I, fair. Yeah, th- that's not how I, I I don't I don't understand it. I'll, I'll, I'll put it like that. Um, yeah, and, and Andre Williams right now, I mean, shoot on Sunday night, his, his ADP was undrafted and now he's in the late 11th round. So that's going to keep climbing up and Matt Berry put him at 60 overall today. So, so that's gonna, that's gonna, you know, skyrocket. Um, and we'll see where it gets, but if it gets to, you know, seventh round and Rashad Jennings is going, you know, sixth round, I mean, I don't, Rashad Jennings will probably still continue to go you know, in the fifth round range, but I would rather take use a seventh rounder on Andre Williams and give myself some upside um, than, than Rashad Jennings in the fifth round. I really shouldn't have called it stupid. I'm sorry for that. <laughs> no, it's fine. I just don't understand Especially, it. I, so, I like so it's I, just, it's so you were heated, man. It's fine. Because I don't understand it, but that's just ignorant of me. 
No, I mean, I, I, the, the problem is, is that I think there are, there are two different types of fantasy. Well, there's a lot of different types of fantasy drafters, but if you look at it from a really, really high level, you have guys who play it safe early, and that's kind of the way that I roll. And I'm, I'm a guy that just, I, I real, really, I like, I want to get to the playoffs and then do work there and, and be creative there. And you can still be creative outside of the draft. We all know that the fantasy football draft itself is a very overrated thing because the waiver wire is so big. Your decisions each week are so big. I mean, the, 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 the draft itself is not nearly as important as people think. It's just something Absolutely. that we, an, we just analyze it forever because that's all we can do because we're just waiting for football to start. But with, with Rashad Jennings, like, I, I agree with you. I don't think he has RB one upside. I, I don't. I think that would be the way that the way that uh, Andre. If, if Andre Williams plays in the goal line, um, that that takes away a lot of upside. If Andre Williams even takes uh, early down volume from Rashad Jennings, which it looks like it's going to happen, that's going to take away some of the upside. Uh, but but I think in general, you know, like if you're in a PPR league, I think Andre. Or I think Rashad Jennings is 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 correctly priced. And I don't think that he's a bad choice. And a lot of that has to do with number one, he's, he is the pass catching back on that team. He's going to be on the field on third down. David Wilson is, is done. I mean, it's literally going to be Rashad Jennings and uh, he's proven that he can catch the ball to the backfield. He's a, he's a good pass blocker. Um, the other thing too uh, with Jennings is, um, you know, I think people look at Jennings in a way uh, at least, at least fantasy owners who, who, play it more than more than in a casual manner uh if you remember 2012 when when Maurice Jones Drew held out um that's when Rashad Jennings was kind of getting some traction gaining some traction and and he ended up going I think in the sixth fifth round of fantasy drafts because of the Maurice Jones Drew holdout uh but what people don't really and and that's the one year where Rashad Jennings uh yards per carry was like 2.8 like it was just atrocious um but the one thing that people should realize that the year before he tore up his knee. So I don't know how fair it is to judge Rashad Jennings season that year, uh, based on, uh, on the fact that he was hurt the previous season, the other, the other seasons in, in the NFL, Rashad Jennings, I understand he's, he hasn't been the number one back on a team. I mean, I get that he's played that backup role. I get that. I, I understand it. He, when, when you're a high volume runner, things can be completely different. Uh, but when Rashad Jennings has played, which, that's what we can judge on because we've seen we have some sort of sample, even though he only has 387 career touches, which is 224 fewer than Alfred Morris, I should add, which is crazy. Um, when Jennings has been on the field, he's been really, really efficient. Uh, our our per rush, net expected point numbers, love him. He's been really good. One one really interesting stat last year: Jennings had a had an 11.8 rushing net expected point score for Oakland last year. Darren McFadden had a minus 17.49. So it obviously speaks to Darren McFadden being terrible at football, but it also shows that uh, the fact that they're in similar situations and Rashad Jennings is still performing at a pretty high level. So the other thing, too, the last thing I'll touch on is every game last year when he was with Oakland, uh, when Rashad Jennings had 14-plus carries, uh, which was seven of them, he finished uh, as the 19th-ranked running back, the third ranked, the fifth ranked, the sixth ranked, the tenth, the fifteenth, and the fourteenth. So every single time he had fourteen plus carries, he ended up as a very, very usable running back. And 
touchdowns have have something to do with that. I understand, but I think that he has a high enough. I think that he has a high enough floor in general with his receptions. And the la- and the other thing, I know that I said the last one was the last thing. The other thing is game flow. If things if things go not in the Giants' favor, Rashad Jennings is going to be the one that's on the field. And I know they bolstered their secondary up, which is great. But who knows what happened? I mean, like if their if their defense doesn't perform, if Eli if Eli plays like he did last year, they're going to be down in games. Rashad Jennings is going to be is going to be on the field. So I think in general. I feel, and this is probably a cop out, but I think both Andre Williams and Rashad Jennings are favorite or are, are are fairly priced in fantasy. Okay, well, you know, I I think that Rashad Jennings is a solid football player, and I, I've thought that for a long time. I question yeah. that thinking after his bad year in Jacksonville, but yeah. he showed that he was last year, and I still think that he is. Um, I mean, it, it's not like he he sucks. I mean, Chris Johnson sucks. You know, <laughs> Rashad Jennings ADP like. It's not stupid. I just don't understand it. But Chris right. Johnson's ADP is stupid. Yeah, I agree. I and like I understand. I like I, I get what you're saying. Like you can look at at Jennings. Like he doesn't he doesn't have the upside. And to a player like you who looks for all like crazy upside in the beginning of drafts, I've done plenty of drafts with you. I know. Like that's what you're gonna look for. And I, you know I'm I think. I think in general, fantasy owners should not be drafting Rashad Jennings thinking that they're gonna get an RB one out of him. I, I don't think I don't think that's that's what you're you're doing. I think what you're doing is you're drafting Rashad Jennings for a decent weekly floor mm-hmm. in PPR leagues. Mm-hmm. Um in, in standard leagues you should devalue him for sure. I think he has forty to fifty reception upside, which is why you're getting him in those PPR leagues. But um, you know, I'm not I'm not so into I, I think that the way that I've approached Rashad Jennings on Twitter makes it seem like I'm so pro Rashad Jennings and I would take him in the third round. But the truth is I just think that he's fairly priced. And a lot of it is just reactionary to how other people feel about him. And I think that he's, he's still a decent back that's going to get some opportunity. Salfino disagrees. Yeah, sure does. (laughs) Sure does. Um, Who are some, let's just, let's, let's do some quick hits with some other running backs since we're, we're, uh, we're doing work here on the podcast. Um, Who are some of the other guys, maybe mid to late rounds. I know that you talked earlier that there are some good values out there. And I've seen your drafts. I know who you like, but why don't you tell the listeners some of the guys you're targeting? Yeah, love Andre Williams at 11.7. I have him late sixth, like a a late six-round grade on him. Uh, So I would start thinking about him seventh round. Um, Mm -hmm. Jeremy Hill, love Jeremy Hill. I think Giovanni Bernard is real, real overrated. You know, he's going mid-second round. Yeah, you know, is, is the is the is the overrated piece uh, his talent level, or is it the potential for not as much volume as people think? Everything, everything. Yeah. I, yeah. I think he's a little overrated talent. To to be quite honest with you, you know he only averaged four point one yards a carry, and I know yeah. that that's only a piece of the puzzle in terms of uh, you know talent level. Um, mm-hmm. his, his, you know, if you look at it from a metrics perspective, mm-hmm. I, I think he's overrated at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just combine numbers. Um, I think that if you look at it uh, from a, a, a tape watching perspective, I think he's overrated because he's not a guy who you're going to give the ball to 275 right. carries a year. He, he's just right. not he's, that he's, guy. He's, he's flashy. I mean, he, he's a, he's a very flat people like a per, case in point is that run against Miami that he had last year. Yeah. I was I mean, just going to say everybody saw that, that run. 
yeah. against Miami, and he was his best run of the year. And he can yeah. do some amazing things, no, mm-hmm. no question. Uh, but he only averaged 4.1 yards a carry, so he was not very efficient. Yeah. Um, he 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 has a skill set that is very very effective in the NFL, like in real football. But I think mm-hmm. that his skill set will not necessarily translate to being great in fantasy football. Um, yeah. He he was kind of frustrating, very up and down last year. The Bengals told us how they feel about him. They mm-hmm. they they didn't they didn't increase his workload at any point last year. Um, they. Uh, and then they come back and they, they were giving the ball to Ben Jarvis Green Ellis, who now that it looks like they're going to cut. So it's not like they had some great opinion of Ben Jarvis Green Ellis, but they yeah. kept giving him the ball be- right. because they because they don't see Giovanni Bernard as, you know, the, the foundation of their offense. And then they go use a second round pick <laughs> on Jeremy Hill. Right. So right. they, they, they're screaming at us how they feel about Giovanni Bernard, but no, nobody wants to acknowledge it. They'll still take them, you know, mid-second round. Well, that's going to disappoint people because yeah. Jeremy Hill's going to get the ball a lot. And and, 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 and he could be close to close to, in an Andre Williams type role as well, closer to the end zone. Absolutely. I, I value those guys similar, similarly. They're in very similar situations. Jeremy Hill actually is in a better running offense probably yeah. by quite a bit than, than Andre right. Williams. Um, he's, you know, I think he, he averaged almost seven yards a carry last year in the SEC. He, he's probably going to get goal line carries. Um, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in preseason, but uh, he this is a joke that he's going late ninth round. Uh, yeah. he, he's he's going to be, uh, I think, and, uh, you know, close. And every week flex play uh, is, is probably his floor especially in a standard league. And I could mm. see him scoring 10 plus touchdowns and being in every, every week, you know, second running back. I mean, he, he's incredibly undervalued. People are, are obsessed with Giovanni Bernard. And I yeah. think that their obsessions are, are very misplaced. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is you, you brought up the roller coaster ride of Giovanni Bernard. And I looked at top 24 weeks just now on a spreadsheet and uh, he did have 10 last year, but I went and dug into it. Uh, four of those he ranked 22nd 20, or 23rd. So basically he was a he was a very very boomer bust play and I, that's not really what you're looking for I don't think in it, personally and like the way that I like to manage my team that's not really what you're looking for in a standard draft where you're making lineup decisions each week. Why not why not go for a guy like Le'Veon Bell who's going to have a higher floor for you each week who you know is going to get the rock who who is going to have the reception upside. Um, Who's going to get the ball on the goal line? Exactly. Right, right, right. Unless the Steelers are idiots and and don't look at at analytics and they they throw the Garrett Blunt there. Yeah, that would suck. That would suck. Yeah, which which, honestly, and I said this whenever I was on the podcast with you and Bloom the one night – it has nothing to do with Legarrette Blunt. It just has to do with the Steelers and their their lack of – it's their stubbornness and their arrogance That <laughs> in general. That's I'm just saying with Legarrette Blunt. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's just mixed in there sometimes. But it, Le'Veon is still a way – you know, he's – I like Le'Veon a lot as a mid-RB1. Uh, but, you know, with Gio Bernard, the more I've looked at him and the more I've dug into him and whatnot and what he did last year, I'm with you, man. I, I actually had uh, Hill on my list as, as a guy that I've been targeting a lot in the middle rounds. Love um, it. You're, you're smart, JJ. You, you get smarter every day, man. I appreciate it. How about – so here's another guy that I know we both have been on is uh, Kyrie Robinson. Um, 
Are you? Are you, I know that you were into him earlier in the in the off season. Are you still looking at him in fantasy drafts? No, I'm 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 off. Really? Him. I mean, he's going he's going ninth round. Dude. Are you? So what? Why are you off him? Because he's in a three man backfield. That's very clear at this point. Sure. Uh, you know, Pierre Thomas is going. I mean, I like Kyrie Robinson as a player, mm-hmm. but. I don't like him at all in fantasy. He, he, he's just – I mean, he's going in front of Jeremy Hill. I, th- there's no way that – I agree there. That, yeah. that doesn't make sense. Right, right. Um, I definitely agree he, there. You know, Mark Ingram is going to be the, the first option at the goal line. Mm-hmm. Pierre Thomas is the first option in the passing game. You know, Kyrie Robinson is like the opposite of – the inverse of, of Fred Jackson. He's just – he's not <laughs> – he'll be mixed in, but he won't get, like, fantasy-friendly touches. No, that's a good point. That's, and, that's uh, very valid. I own him in more – I own him in more best ball leagues just because I think that there's okay. going to be one there, – there's going to be a New Orleans running back that's going to that's gonna perform well in a given week. I just think that that's the way that the offense works. Um, yeah. And, but, and, and I, I kind of like him in, in Dynasty, JJ, because Ingram's contract is up after this year, and Pierre Thomas is, like – a year-to-year guy, yeah. and Kyrie Robinson, he caught 60 balls in, in two seasons at, in, in college, mm-hmm. and I think he's really the best running back talent of those three guys. Right. So it wouldn't surprise me if his role increases Do, greatly in 2015, but I'm, I'm off him. This the one, I also have not – I'm not a big Ingram fan, uh, which which I think cha- like makes me think differently about the situation. I think Pierre Thomas is probably the most undervalued of – of the running backs there, just given the fact that he's clearly the number one guy. And uh, that, from a volume perspective, like just in general, I mean, he's going to lead that team in running back receptions as he did last year. There's no more Sproles. He can still get those looks. I know that Cooks is there now. Um, but I think in general, Pierre Thomas, uh, you know, he's going in the seventh round uh, in some drafts. And, and even in standard scoring leagues, I think that there's still decent value there. But I'm also even... Man, there's some some alarms going on out there. I know. I'm, I'm ducking. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll 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 leave the last alarm whenever I go back and edit this, but I'll, just because then people yeah, they, people they people, they they, good. they didn't see me. Good, see good, me. good. They were probably pissed off that you were talking crap on on Kyrie, Kyrie Robinson. Um, yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's the Saints backfield. Are there any guys? How about Lamar Miller? Let's talk about Lamar Miller because he's a he's a fun guy to to talk with with in that in that Bill Lazor offense. How do you feel about him? I mean, I I like him. You know, I liked him last year, um, and I thought that that was the most poorly coached team in football, and that's why people get fired. Yeah. You know, a lot of people get fired. Yeah, and um, but it, I, I don't know why. I don't know why under any circumstance you give carries to Daniel Thomas ever. <laughs> ever. Daniel ever. Thomas does not deserve any carries. Zero. No. Yeah. No, no I, he I doesn't. Agree. He, he he deserves to be a guy who's like, you know, working out for running back needy teams. Right. Sure. That, so And then and, and then they don't sign him, they sign the other guy. Right. Do do you do you see do you think Lamar Miller's lack of effectiveness was was also, I'm assuming, offensive line driven last year too? Yeah, I don't know how – I think it's tough to say for sure how ineffective he was yeah. because he averaged over four yards a carry behind uh, uh, the, the worst offensive line in the league. Mm-hmm. They never allowed him to get into a rhythm. Um, you know, I, I remember a specific game where they were beating the Patriots um, at halftime and they were riding Lamar Miller. And then they started throwing the football in the second half, and they lost. And that was like the, the game. It was like right around midseason. It was the, the the tail of the 
the Dolphins season, mm-hmm. their, their offensive coordinator, Mike Sherman, was the most pass-happy uh, coach in the, enti- in the entire yeah. league last year in terms of run-to-pass ratio. They, they, they just didn't believe in running the football, period. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, you, you have to kind of, like, come to grips with that. That that their their coach didn't believe in running the ball. Right. He legitimately did not. Right. And, and this coach that they have in there now, um, Bill Lazor, mm-hmm. is one of the biggest run game believers. You know that has that has coached in the NFL over the last yeah. Ten look years. where he's and coming back from. And I and I went back and looked at his history even before he was with Chip Kelly. Yeah. I mean, he coached with Joe Gibbs. Um, he is a run game guy. Nice. He coached at Virginia, was a run game guy there. Uh, there are there they are clearly installing elements of the Chip Kelly offense there. And no, they don't have the the offensive talent that the Eagles have. But all they have to do is run the ball a little bit more and just you know be coached better. Yeah. And they'll have a a, a decent running game. Yeah. And 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 they'll stay committed to it because they don't need their quarterback taking fifty eight sacks. I mean. The, the, the coaching blunders in Miami last year are <laughs> unconscionable. So stupid, dude. I mean, do you want, like, your quarterback to just get ruined right, forever? Right. 58 sacks? No, dude, dude? this is what – this is uh, Rich Rebar and I talk about this all the time. Ryan Tannehill is the future is, – is, is, his future is Sam Bradford. That, that is yeah. – that's, that's, the, that's the direction that this is trending is that Ryan Tannehill's future is Sam Bradford. It's just the way that it's, it's, it's going. And it's a shame because I think that a lot of – a lot of quarterbacks, uh, you know, th- th- their their careers are ruined early because of poor coaching like that. Even if their talent is there, even if they're a decent and capable quarterbacks, yeah. it's just the way that it works. Yeah, and I know that Ryan Tannehill is kind of like a punching bag right. at this point. Right. Um, but Nate Jenke did uh, one of the best articles that I that I read over the entire off season. It's it was uh, the effect of pressure on a quarterback's accuracy mm-hmm. and. And he just looked at it over the course of a game, but this is for sure the case over the course of you know game upon game, which it was for Ryan Tannehill last year. Right. Uh, but their their accuracy when they got hit a lot early in the you know early in the game, their accuracy would just evaporate. Right. I mean, it would just disappear over the course of the game. And if you remember Sam Bradford at at Oklahoma, he was like Peyton Manning actor. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he legitimately was, and people don't remember that, but his ball placement was insane. I mean, I would be like, I would like grab my friend, like, Oh my God, did <laughs> you see him make that throw? Like the, just the placement on like Joaquin Iglesias hands right. would be just, just unbelievable. Peyton Manning esque. Yeah. Yeah. R- Ryan Broyles. I mean, he, he like made receivers mm-hmm. at Oklahoma. But, um, yeah, and, and now he's one of the least accurate passers in the league yeah. because he took 70 sacks, I believe, over his first two seasons. Or it, it was it was more than that. It's some ridiculous number. And he's he's pretty much fried, and uh, hopefully Ryan Tannehill will avoid that. I think they're going to run the ball because they probably fear that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. It's, it's more than a great point. Um, who are – let's just really quick to, to wrap things up since we're going a little bit over. Who are uh, a couple super late guys? Like, let's say, are you buying into the James White hype? No, not at all. Okay. Not Why is all. that? Just to just – uh, Because um, 
Because I think that um, he's not really, uh, I, I don't think that he's a threat to either guy that they have. Yeah. I mean, I don't, unless Steven Ridley fumbles, then all bets are off. Right, right. Um, That's fair. But I, I think if you draft James White, you're either betting on Vereen getting hurt, which I guess, you know, has a decent probability, and or Steven Ridley right. but he's, getting but hurt he's, or fumbling. Right, but he's not going to just be thrown in there and have a role right away. No. I mean, I don't think so. Right. I, I, he, he's not a power running back like Stephen Ridley is. You know, theoretically, Stephen Ridley is like a, a guy who you give the ball to a bunch of times yeah. at the end of game, the game to seal the game right. and, you know, and give, give the ball to on the goal Which line. Which is great for them. And James White. And, right. But James White is not that guy. He's like a cross between those two. I, I don't think he's ever going to be a big-time fantasy guy. One guy I really do like late is Ahmad Bradshaw. Yeah, uh, he's yeah. he's available mid twelfth round. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know I don't know what to think about Trent Richardson. And I would lean toward thinking that he's probably not going to do anything, particularly because their offensive line is going to suck again. Yeah. And I think he's a blocking dependent runner. And um I I, I think that ultimately they're going to have to just throw the ball. Their defense is going to suck. Trent Richardson is probably going to suck behind the bad <laughs> O line. And Ahmad Bradshaw is their best pass protector, uh, and he's also a guy who, you know, I think you can play with in the gun. Right. Uh, and and uh, I, I think that, you know, Trent Richardson either gets hurt or gets benched. And at, I, I think that Ahmad Bradshaw will probably be this year's Donald Brown or maybe more than that. Yeah, it's a good, actually, that's a good – that's a really – I didn't even think about the Donald Brown piece. But uh, Bradshaw's been really – when he's healthy, he's incredibly productive. And, and yeah. I think I don't think people really remember that because he's he's usually not healthy. But if right. he if he does stay healthy, that's that's fantastic. One guy that I have gotten late, I actually got him in the Apex League, is Roy Halou. Just hoping that he he ends up getting that number two spot on in the depth chart, and I think that just naturally he's going to catch a lot of balls uh, if he does yep. end up getting that in that Gruden offense um, with Alfred Morris obviously obviously having the, his deficiencies catching the football. Um, I think Halu can kind of carve out a decent role in that offense this year. So you're kind of, it, it's kind of strange, but I think that you're getting, uh, you know, a decent, you know, he doesn't have tremendous upside necessarily unless Alfred Morris gets hurt. But um, I think that, that he's he's a guy that I'm 100% down with in the 14th round in a fantasy draft. Are you down on, are, good, you, down, good, are you down with Halu? Good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think you can look at it almost from the perspective that he really can play in the passing game. Yeah too so um if alfred morris were to get hurt which you know he has not at all uh to this point in his career amazing durability but if he did you know roy halu might be like a legitimate every down back um because i i think he's the best runner on the team maybe they'd use chris thompson as a a a, a sproles type or something yeah that would be the worry um, i think i mean that's the general worry from a reception standpoint but like like i mean i think i think that he could fit in kind of a a carve out like a geo role that geo so i mean let's i mean ben jarvis green ellis had 220 carries last year i mean he he still he still touched the ball they weren't necessarily great uh great touches during the game uh so you know alfred morris might might dip a bit in some folks rankings but uh, you know, I, I, I just, I like Kalu's value. Uh, and you, I, do I don't think you can get many guys with that kind of, I, I guess, floor almost, uh, that late in the fantasy draft. Yeah. He's just a solid NFL player. Yeah. Uh, he's kind of like Rashad Jennings. You, you, you probably, you probably <laughs> so, like Rashad Jennings better, but so, I think they're about like, they're almost like the same so, guy. So don't draft Rashad Jennings, but get Roy Hulu. Yeah. Okay. I got you. 
All right, man. Well, we're we're going pretty over, so we'll we'll stop okay. it there since we got uh, I mean tons of information. You you brought the heat tonight. I loved it. Um, so everyone can check Evan out at, at Evan Silva and over at Roto World. He's doing work all the time, constantly. How how crazy? Like my August has already been insane. Has your August just been absolutely crazy so far? Yeah, dude. We're like five days in, yeah. man. I, I, I can't mean, even. I can't even yeah. like handle it already. I don't know how I'm going to make it through, but. You just gotta gotta grind, man. You gotta grind. Um, so yep. so obviously, you know, catch Evan on Twitter. He'll tweet everything out. Um, and then obviously, I'm JJ Zacharyson. You can find me over at numberfire.com. Uh, we're pushing content out all the time over there. Some really fun advanced analytics to 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 peep at. We're gonna be doing doing some division previews with with our metrics to uh, to show people, you know, who are who are algorithms like and the percentage odds that particular teams are have to make the playoffs and so on and so forth so that should be fun um but that that is it that that's it uh thanks for coming on silva i really appreciate it yeah thanks man and filling in for for dennis so hopefully hopefully denny will be on next week whenever we do it but if not i'm gonna probably call you again all right all right all right man uh thanks everyone for listening and we'll catch you next week thank you for listening to live in the stream we hope you enjoyed the internet podcast Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes now. It won't take long, it's fast. For more fantasy football.